This is Corp Power, and you are listening to Pro Wrestling for Life. Welcome to another edition of Pro Wrestling for Life, everybody. I'm your host, two-time WWE Hall of Famer, X-Pod. I gotta say that part, like, word for word, every time, right? Anyways, hey, joining me right now, my co-host, Nick Hausman. What's up, Nick? Ah, uh, you know, same old, same old, another uh, another week in paradise, John. I'm very excited, man. We have another loaded show here today for everybody. Yes. You want to uh, tell everyone what we have? Yeah, dude. I mean, so I went to Sean and, you know, he put over MLW a couple weeks ago here on the show and he really excited about the Vice TV deal. And I said, well, Sean, I'm really good friends with the MLW PR people. Who'd you like me to get? You want me to get you Core Power? Do you want me to get you Fatu? And Sean said, both. So today on the show, you're not just going to hear from the owner of MLW or MLW's top star. We have both Court Bauer and Jacob Fatu in the house here today, and we got about 40 minutes with them. And dude, not just like you relating to Fatu and the Anawahi family, but like we get some real news here about what's going on with MLW Vice and like, you know, their entire universe here going forward. Yeah, yeah. It was a great conversation with those guys. Wonderful. You know, I just thought, you know, why not have them both on? Sure. Yeah. The great thing about doing the show, Sean, is you're you. So when I pick up the phone and I'm like, hey, Sean Waltman wants to do something ridiculous that no other outlet, you know, could get, they always say yes. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's <laughs> nice. It's nice to be me. People like <laughs> Um Well, also here, we're not just going to have Courtney uh, uh, Fatu, another old friend of yours in the house here today. We're going to welcome John Arezzi to the show. Um, he's going to be talking to you all about uh, your debut as six. In WCW, that infamous night, we first saw you in the front row there. Um, and yeah. he's got a book out as well, uh, Matt Memories. I think I have it. Oh, it's hidden behind my green screen. Yeah, I have it over here, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's around here. I've got actually two copies of it. Yeah, John's a wonderful guy. You know, uh, he was the guy that did, you know, first started doing pro wrestling conventions, uh, like fan conventions. There was like an old one called WFIA, like Wrestling Fans International Association, that we're kind of like even before John's, but John's is like, like the modern day wrestle con wrestle convention type thing. John's the godfather of that. And, uh, and also the wrestling radio show, like the, the kind of the, the breaking kayfabe, uh, you know, type of radio show. He's the, and he's also, uh, depending on how you think about, uh, Vince Russo, he's, to blame for Vince Russo. <laughs> oh, man, you had me right up to the end there. I was like, wow, big guy, right? Conventions, wrestling, radio. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Yeah. We won't get off topic here. Yeah. Um, well, very excited to welcome Court, Fatu, and John to the show. And then we're going to welcome uh, a great fan of the show, a patron, uh, somebody who's going to be helping us out here on Pro Wrestling for Life with graphics and video work. Marsh, Ref Marsh in the house here today. He's going to be playing a game against... Sean, this week I get to host the game show. Yeah, I just decided, hey, you know, because like originally when I was thinking of these types of things, I thought about doing it this way too. Because there was this one show called Stump the Schwab or something like that. It was like a, a, a sports uh, trivia show. Okay. Yeah, and the guy was this. It was the same contestant, and different people would come on and try to beat him. You know, and so I'll, it wasn't. That was a, kind of another you know, uh, take on this that I was thinking of too. So Rock and roll. Um, yeah, great show. And uh, just as a reminder to everybody out there, uh, you know, if you like the show, we're on all major podcast platforms. We're over on uh, youtube.com slash X 
course, we always like nice comments and five-star ratings on the iTunes page. But every Tuesday, a half hour before NXT, Sean and I are going to be going live. to give you guys a half hour each week to ask some questions, interact with Sean, talk about the show, talk about NXT. We're going to be uh, doing it again this Tuesday night. So go over, join us. It's a lot of fun. And again, if you want to catch this show in video form, you want to catch that live stream, go over to YouTube.com slash XPOC. Smash the subscribe button. That's what it's smash. That's how you say it when it's cool. You got to smash that subscribe button. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, Sean, let's smash this. Yeah. This week in wrestling, man. News you can use. News to leave a bruise, as I like to say, man, from the world of professional wrestling. So this past week, man, an exceptionally bruising bout. I was texting you as I was watching this thing in real time. AEW presented blood and gut. This huge... A double cage, double ring, War Games-esque match with the pinnacle going over the inner circle. Uh, first, uh, before I kind of get into to some of the news kind of coming out of it, uh, I know you you caught this one, Sean. I mean, are you? what did you think of this bout? What do you think when you see a blood and guts type match uh, coming from AEW? I thought it was I thought it was really good for 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 that type of match. You yeah, know, I, I thought it, it it lived up to what it was supposed to be, like or you know to. You know, to like when they're hyping the match, a lot of times, you know, things don't turn out, you know, anything like that. Like they were, you know, like it was hyped, but um, this one did. This one did. I was honestly, Nick, I was surprised. Like, like when you texted me that you were watching it, like I was like, what are you watching it on? You know, because I just, I was surprised it was on TV. I thought it should have been a pay per view. I, I agree, dude. Pay-per-view quality main event. I, yeah. I, I thought the match really delivered. There was that spot at the end where Jericho got thrown off by MJF. Yeah. Uh, it looked like he fell, you know, into a crash pad. I mean, yeah. do you think that takes away from a match? What were, what were your kind of thoughts there on the closing moments of that there? It doesn't help. Yeah. It doesn't help. I, I, um, I, just, I just think if they, they would have had a different camera angle, we wouldn't even be talking about this. Yeah. Okay. Well, the news kind of coming out of this is PWInsider.com reporting that apparently WWE officials like hated this match. They didn't like it because it was super bloody, especially some of the kind of blatant blading that was going on uh, in the ring there. And they thought it set the business back, right? By seeing this kind of brutality, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's so much as for the safety of the performers as much as I'd like to believe that. My hunch says that they were probably more upset because it's harder to go to big money advertisers like Ford. And then they say, well, we watch wrestling. It's that bloody thing. And it kind of muddles the waters of what uh, Vince and WWE have been trying to build for the past, you know, 20 years or so moving away from that. Uh, when you hear that kind of report, like what comes to mind, Sean? Well, I just, I guess like when you first told me about this, about that, the reaction from them, I was like, really? Like, you know, but I maybe if you're just talking about how you know like dealing with sponsors and big because <clears throat> Nick, <clears throat> excuse me, it's okay. Like the sponsors, like there's big time corporate sponsors involved with wrestling these days, you know. Well, WWE, and um, so I I guess I can understand why they might feel that way. Because everybody, you know, wrestling gets painted with the broader, a, a very broad brush, right? right. Uh, but like, you know, um, I rem I remember back when ECW was kind of 
you know, it was hot, right? It was, uh, I, we were, um, we were still doing the cartoon thing, WWF. Yeah. Early nineties. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I just, I remember Pat Patterson one time really shitting on the ECW thing, you know, like, and, and just, I guess for that type of, uh, uh you know, uh, I guess just because of the content, right. And, and the, the, uh, the thing about it is we ended up doing the same shit like a couple years later at, at the height of the, you know, the peak of the industry and, our, and for the company. And we were doing like, I mean, it wasn't as brutal as some of the ECW, but like a lot, we got a lot of stuff from ECW, I think. And, and for you, do you think it, I mean, do you think this match went too far? I mean, in, in 2021, do you think it's too bloody or too violent or does it, does it rub you one way or another or no? No, I mean, it's, I mean, who am I to say, you know, there, there's could be a market, you know, I mean, some people like that. I don't like, I mean, maybe I don't like it anymore. Maybe I do. Uh, um, well, I don't the- know, Nick. I just, I, I just think that there's a place for a lot of things, you know, like, I mean, wrestling, there's so many different, you know, it's just so like, wrestling doesn't belong to any any one company yeah for sure and i guess there was just like that one spot i mean there was a spot at the end of jericho where he fell but there was also this yeah. just gnarly chair shot that wardlow took uh at one point and i know that i know cody's talked in the past about how like aw you know they gimmick their chairs or whatever but dude i don't know how like you blast somebody like that and make it have that make that sound and and make it look that effective i mean it, it just it's you know say what you will about blading and stuff, but the chair shots, the head stuff, I, I feel like in, in some ways, maybe we are kind of a little bit past that, you know? Yeah, we should be, you know, especially unprotected, like put your hands up at least, you know? Um, yeah. We just know to, we know enough about the, about what happens when we get hit in the head like that. To, I don't know. I, I wish, I wish that what I wish, it wouldn't be done today, you know, in, in 2021. I'd come on, you know, there's other, other things we can do out there. Support for pro wrestling for life is brought to you by manscaped manscaped is the world heavyweight champ of below the belt grooming for men. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the lawnmower 4.0. You heard that, right? The 4.0, everybody. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code PRO at manscaped.com. Nick? Oh, yeah, Do you, do you shave your balls? I shave. Of course I shave my balls. Yeah, me too. I, I have for years. But oh. I, used to ju- I used to use the razor. Oh. I used to, yeah, I used to use the razor, and I would nick myself all the time, and and, and and I would use my clippers too, yeah. but like when I would actually try to try to clipper my balls, I would cut my balls. I have been there, and there's nothing worse than looking down at the bottom of the shower and seeing a little bit of blood coming out from your balls. That's really like the absolute worst. And, you know? and it's you know like when you nick that area down there, a lot of time it's not just a little bit of blood. No, it's usually quite a bit of blood. So, uh, you know, I, I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0. I'm absolutely blown away by the performance. Uh, mine is no longer in this box, but I did keep the box for this. I mean, the craftsmanship, the details on this, I mean, it's really good. 
They got this upgraded trimmer that includes a multifunction on and off switch that it can engage with the travel yeah. lock. I mean, it also gives you the ability to turn the, the 400,000 uh, LED spotlight on and off when you need it for more precision shaving. So let's say it's a little dark, right? And you're trying to see what's going on. You know, it's just naturally dark. You know, yeah. near, can I say taint? Like near yeah, the sure. Okay, cool. It, it gets a little dark down there. So it's nice they got a little light on the end of it so you can actually see what's going down there, you know, get the right kind of trim, which is nice. Yeah. And this upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. Yep, I, I just said that. Did you just say that, Nick? I did oh, just say that. Son Nick. of a god! <laughs> Saying twice. Uh, and you know what? I'll say this. The Lawnmower 4.0, it even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard length, sizes 1 to 4. And it also has wireless charging. This new wireless charging system, it uses electromagnetic induction, which can help the battery length last longer because there is nothing you want more there's nothing that you want less than being down there shaving your balls and for the thing to die right yeah. thing you don't yeah. have to worry about that it's going to keep going on you yeah i shave my underarms with it too and sometimes like if i if i can't make it to the to the barber and my shit's getting long like um you know on the side of my head like i'll run it through that too even yeah uh, yeah man so yeah. Uh, i'm a big fan of manscaped like before you know um, they sponsored me before and they yeah. sent me their stuff before and like, not just the, uh, not, I mean, all their stuff is great. They have great underwear too, Nick. Oh yeah. I, I actually have the underwear right here. I haven't had a chance to try it on yet, but I'm very excited. These are my performance boxer briefs. And I'm also wearing my manscape shirt here today, which has the wonderful, delightful catchphrase. Your balls will thank you. I'm sure that this will be a big hit at all the, uh, Family functions that I go to. Who wouldn't want to wear that one around? <laughs> Check this out, Nick. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. No. <laughs> so, guys, seriously. Obviously, Sean and I very much like Manscaped. We're big fans. Pro Wrestling for Life, we're huge fans. So if you want 20% off, you want free shipping, use the promo code PRO at manscaped.com. We promise you, your balls will thank you. Oh, yeah. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code PRO at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code PRO. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Joining us right now is the owner of MLW, Court Bauer, and the world heavyweight champion, Jacob Fatu. I'm really excited to have you guys on, man, to talk about this uh, this uh, Vice TV thing, man. That I was really excited to hear that, you guys. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, man, we're fired up. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jacob. Hey, man. I used to, uh, I used to come uh, hang out with your family. They used to have me over to the house, man. Uh, uh, back when you guys were kids, and uh, yeah. do you remember? You remember seeing me back then? Man, I remember seeing you. Yeah, man. When the, this when they were the head shrinkers back in the day. Yeah. I remember you guys came to Arco Arena, man. But uh, it was just pure love, though. Absolutely. I think you oh, was yeah. actually in Carson one time, and uh, oh man, Yoko yes, Trump. yes. Yeah. I, and I, I'm embarrassed to say this. 
uh, I threw up all over the floor over there, man. <laughs> and they were so good about it, man. Like, like your family always treated me like family, man. And I'm really grateful for that. And that's that's one of the things that makes it so cool to have, me, have you on here today, man. I so appreciate, I appreciate the love, man. It's all love. Man, uh, man, did they have you eating some turkey tails over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know? dipped dipped in Samoan steroids, a.k.a. Oh, mayonnaise. Yeah, more <laughs> steroids, huh? Yeah. I had to lay back off of the Samoan steroids, though, man. It was starting to oh, clog yeah. a lot of people's arteries around yeah. me. <laughs> you guys drunk? Yeah. What, what was that? What was that, Nick? Why did you puke? I want to know why you puked on the floor. Were you sick? Was it what? What happened? You could take. You could take a guess. You know, <laughs> it was it was back in them days, and I was, you know, I was new to WWF, and I was living the life, man. I was I was just I was in I was in heaven, man. Just being a being a pro wrestler, and I was out getting messed up every night, trying to hang with guys that weighed a couple couple hundred pounds more than me, and you know, it caught up to me now and then, and so, and like I said, man, they. Your family, Jacob, has always been so good to me. I just loved uh, all of y'all, man. I appreciate the love, brother. It's unconditional. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Court. Um, uh, man, I've been. Following, how long has MLW been around? We started in two thousand two. Originally, originally, the first version of MLW was started. Well, it was planned to start in ninety nine. Uh, Gary Albright, a legendary wrestler who married uh, Afa Anuai's yeah. uh, daughter, uh, was a huge mainstay in Japan, UWFI, and yep. played at the University of Nebraska and was in all Japan. And around 98, 99, the idea was, you know, it would be nice to have a system in the States to develop talent. And so the plan was it would be major league wrestling. And we were going to start that thing. We were, we were literally in Afa's uh, – living room planning this thing out in Whitehall, uh, which is a suburb of Allentown in Pennsylvania. And then unfortunately yeah. Gary passed away in early 20, uh, early 2000. And so that got shelved until 2002 and the business changed, all Japan changed ownership, everything changed very quickly. And you're talking like a 24 month period and the whole business by the time we launched MLW at the uh, old ECW arena in, in June of 2002, you know, it's like scorched earth. There was no WCW, no ECW. Yes. There was a WWE, and then TNA was about to kick off too. They literally kicked off like within seven days of us with their first show. And I just I remember, like I remember also some stuff you were doing out of Florida. Yeah, we so MLW. We we were all over the place. Our second show is the Manhattan Center in New York. Then we were down yeah. in Florida. We had TV and Sun, the Sunshine Network. Then yeah. we got a distribution deal box uh, where we were all over the place. We were in Dallas, we were in Vegas. So we had a nice syndication package. And then in 04, we hit the pause button and then came back to it actually with the podcast network in 2011 with Conan, right. myself and MSL. And that thing then grew up, like blew up. And you had Jim Cornette had a podcast. Uh, Marty and Sarah had a podcast. We had the, the Pritchard show was on there, right? Yeah. Yep. Bruce Pritchard launched yeah. Tony Schiavone. So it, that was like a thing we didn't have a business plan for. We stumbled into it. And then that triggered Wale mania. And right. while a, we did that thing starting, I think, in 2014, 2015, and it was the third one in Orlando where Wale kind of convinced me to say, yeah, well, do one more show. What could happen? I'm like, I'll do one show. We right. called it One Shot. And then that took off. And within three or four weeks, I was talking to networks about doing uh, a regular go forward TV show on cable. And here we are four years later. Yeah, uh, the business, again, has radically changed. You have now two billionaires going at it. And I'm trying to find my way through all this. Yeah, and and so the cool thing is, is like 
the the Samoan dynasty, the NOIs have been involved since the very uh, beginning, huh? Yeah, well, they are the ones that really allowed me into the business when you had to be, you know, you it was not easy to get into the business when I started in right. like the mid to late 90s. And I would just harass Samu and Afa and finally Samu, who they were really like some of the first dudes online to have like a wrestling school website yeah. and, you know, ways to email. And I just kept pitching Sam. I was like, come on, man. Like, can I get in? I don't want to be a wrestler, but I have, I want to do something else. And finally, Sam was like, all right, come out to a show in Allentown. You know, so you start whatever you can, putting up rings, selling tickets, making posters. And from there, you know, you, I, I learned the ropes from, from Samu and, and Afa and, I uh, got to spend a lot of great time with the family over the years and just, I owe my whole career to them. I mean, I was at one point living in office basement and uh, Yoko had just been there and he'd spent some time there. And, and often told me the bed's a little messed up. Don't worry, son. It's going to be okay. I go to the first time I go to get in the bed. I'm like, all right, you know, it's a little dark. I go in and I tumble down into the middle of the bed, it broke the bed. The bed was like this, instead of being flat. It was like that. And I just kind of roll down into the valley and sleep and then crawl back out in the morning. But uh, just an incredibly gracious family, uh, nothing but yes. love and, and, and a level of knowledge about the business that goes back decades. I mean, you talk about how the business evolved in so many positive ways. They really understood the magic of the business and how you can get to a level of intensity and understand just it's the inner workings of the business, the, the real magic and the DNA of what makes wrestling wrestling. And that that is something that I, I, I forever cherish and privilege that they gave me that opportunity to learn it. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, it's like I've never seen a family – well, there's probably some families out there that listen to this and might take exception, but never seen natural pro wrestlers like the, the NOI family. Unfreaking believable, man. Oh, for sure. I remember seeing Lance Anuai, Samu's son, at four years old, running the ropes, yes. hitting sweet moussals before he opened doors. I'm like, man, he's better than most of the guys in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> he was just smooth as silk, and he was not even in kindergarten. So was it always a given for two that you were going to be a pro wrestler? Was that, like, always in the cards for you from day one? Nah, man, it's, it's just, it just happened to me. And uh, th thank God it happened to me. Uh, it saved my life, and, uh, man, it just kept me out the way. But uh, nah, I, I mean, uh, I, I didn't really. I grew up growing up around it, but man, I didn't really like really, really, really. I knew what my dad and them did, but I didn't really start respecting it until I actually got into it. And man, yeah. that first two weeks, man, like that was like the toughest. And then that's when you know, that's when it really hit me. Like, okay, this is a lot of sacrifices, a lot of hard work. You know, it's more than just coming up in there running the ropes and stuff. So. Yeah, for sure, man. And I and like the last time I talked to you, I know we uh, we talked about the big moonsault you took off the cage, and uh, yeah, Court, yeah, he's you were the one that asked him to do that, if I'm not mistaken. When we talked, yeah, that's a pretty yeah, bold. That was yeah. So so Fatu had like three debuts in MLW. One was in 2018 when he just took out MVP. He just came in on a red eye. He took him out, and then poof, he was gone for a year. And we redid that. And then in Philly, in February of 2019, he came out. And he came out with um, Joseph Samael, who was then called the Sheik. Yes. Problem, the problem was, once the network saw the footage, they're like, yeah, so <laughs> BN Sports is owned by a Middle Eastern company. They find this to be super disrespectful. So I'm like, oh. hey, Joey, you know, you know this gimmick you've been doing you got over for the last 10 years or so? Yeah, yeah we got to change that shit up. And he's like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And we're like, we'll, we'll work through this, man. We'll get this thing done. And that's how yeah, it was fine. built. Yeah, it, it was, was fine. Yeah, yeah, but it's fine. I really like I like this version of of him. 
Like, I think yeah, he's great yeah. at that. He's amazing, and he really is. I mean, I'm so impressed because as you get older in this business, if you don't adapt, if you don't learn to be like able to recreate yourself, you're irrelevant. You're not. You're going to have a shelf life on you. If you can adapt and evolve, and you can be a chameleon and just whatever that that promoter needs from you, you can go and exceed expectations. You're always going to find work. You're always going to find a job. And uh, Joseph has become a real major part of MLW, both on camera and, and behind the scenes as well. Uh, so I give him a lot of credit. So they did you in February. We didn't air it. So then we redid it in March of Ch in Chicago, 2019. That was a live yeah. special. We went off the air hot. It was a cage match with Tom Lawler, low key. And I thought it'd be a great big moment for a debut for, for this new faction to come out. And I asked Tattoo to, to do a big high spot off the top of the cage, which, you know, kind of would play to, to the lineage of the family in the past and tip yeah. our hat, but something memorable. And you can walk us through what that experience for you going through that and your your, your concerns going into that because that was a that was a wild moment. Yeah, man, it was crazy. I remember when we were setting up, man. You pulled, uh, he was like, "Hey, uh, ooh, something I'll let you." He's like, then they were setting up the cage, and he's like, "Hey, man, think about this." And I was like, "Man, fuck it, let's go, let's do it." Yeah. So <laughs> I remember when Court told me, "All right, before the show, man, I need you to go up there." And you know what, brother? I'm sorry. It was I don't even think I told you. It's like, okay, you asked me if I could go up there to test it out, make sure it was good. I never went up there because I I knew was, you know I never went up so. I just knew if I go up, it's going to be game time. So I remember for the show, exactly. you, I walked past you. He's like, hey, man, how was it? I was like, oh, man, it's good. And we just kept walking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, man, uh, next thing you know, uh, man, came game time. And uh, th that that really, man, it's just that when, when I jumped off the cage, it was like, okay, anything is possible. You know, I yeah. can do anything. Anything is possible. And, uh, man, it all started at MLW, man. Dude. And yeah. Sean, you ever jump off the cage, Sean, or no? Up top of the cage, I got power bombed up the top of the cage. Didn't it didn't end too God well. Damn. <laughs> yeah. No, like hey man, I'm with Jacob. I'm with you, man. Like if I have to climb up there and test it out, I'm yeah. not doing it. Yeah. It ain't gonna Come happen, on. man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, yeah. hey to Jacob, man, when you're out there, when you're when when you're in front of the camera, when you're in front of the people, man, you are one vicious monster ass heel, bro. I got to take my hat off to you, bro. You're really like authentic, believable. Like, you know, some people, you know, you don't, you know, they go do their thing and they, you know, and, and you go, oh, whatever. But you don't believe in that, man. It's not hard to believe in you. I appreciate that. You know, I'm just trying to, uh, to, to knowing the legacy, like I said, when I first got in and uh, knowing everybody who came before me, it was like, okay, how can I separate myself? You know, I, I didn't want to be one of those cats that just wrote off the man, uh, wrote off the name. I'm thankful. I'm not saying none of my uh, family members are. I appreciate yeah. it. But, man, well, I'm cut from another cloth. This was another whole another grind. You know, like yeah. Corey said, I came in 2018, you know, got passed up, passed up. Okay, it was good. It was just a perfect fit, uh, uh, you know, when I came back. Uh, Chicago. I love that building, MLW uh, Chicago. We've been selling out, going back. They love us out there. Chicago made me, man. But uh, man, it, it was trying to set myself apart. You know, get, you know, one of the yeah. trainers is a uh, Gangrel, David Heath, and uh, you know, he always told me, man, like, man, 
you you gotta you gotta it's time to go to work you know you ain't gonna yeah. be man he told me to quit david told me to quit he was like you better quit you're gonna quit you don't, don't think you're just gonna be one of the next samoans coming in and coming out so and not only that it, i didn't want to be known for one of those cats I, if i wanted to be yeah. remembered i wanted to be remembered as jacob fatu when you think about jacob fatu you think about okay he's part of the family but yeah. you know he 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 see he's doing his own thing you know so he i appreciate that did you did you feel like a certain amount of pressure, man? Just like, cause I mean, the, your family name, man, that's a lot to live up to. Absolutely, no. Uh, you know, one of the main things that I was always saying, uh, just go out there, have fun, and do you. You know, so I was taking a little bit of everything from everybody just to throw it into my uh, to my move collection. Still pay homage yeah. to my family, but still kind of switch it up and do wrestlers. Uh, you know, like I enjoy watching like Jeff Hardy and Tajiri. Like when I do the handstand, I actually got it from Tajiri. You know, and <laughs> right? I, I I just found out like he knew how to speak English. <laughs> oh sure, so, but yeah. you know it, it it was it was it was pressure, but at the same time I wanted to make sure I represented. Uh, for my family, but also represent uh, for myself as well uh, the right way. Yeah. Hey, so, hey, Court, um, you know, like I'm talking about Jacob and, and, and what an effective heel he is, man, but, like, it's the creative too, man. You're, you're booking these guys out there to get to actually get some heat, and nobody books books that way anymore. I think, as a matter of fact, they purposely book not to get that kind of heat. Yeah, it's, it's a really weird thing because when I was on the WWE creative team, we're sitting there one day, Dusty Rhodes is, is we're just kind of like going through the next week of TV and Dusty sits back and looks at the scene and goes, man, we got to get some heat next week. And yeah. Like two, like a writer or two looks around like, what's heat? And Dusty almost did a bump in his chair back. Like, you know, he just sold it like, oh, are you kidding me? And then DiBiase just gives the eyebrow up. And he's like, for real? The concept of heat, if you don't know what it is and how to get it, I mean, that is – the bloodline of this business is like getting heat. You got to be able to get heat. Um, Gary Hart was one of my mentors. And really, I didn't know what I was doing when I first started MLW. It wasn't until Terry Funk introduced me to Gary Hart right. that I understood, okay, booking and how it really is critical. Matchmaking, getting heat, planting the seeds, the red herrings, and organically building this thing yes. up. But you got to have guys that are also not scared of the heat. I, I've seen it where people, guys are spooked. They don't want to get that level of heat. That yeah. too is, has caused basically riots in Chicago. And he's, <laughs> he's fearless with that heat. He, 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 he loves it. He, he thrives on it. And those are the guys yeah. that are going to make a lot of money and be successful in this business. Yeah, I've seen, I've been in Chicago when the near riots with Contra have happened. I was also in Dallas when the near riots happened with Tom Mahler. Uh. <laughs> And like, yeah. and like, it got it got hot in Chicago for sure. Because like, you got you know, Joseph out there, and he's like spitting at people and like throwing stuff at people and like getting ready. But dude, when you go to Dallas and you like take the Texas flag and you oh, it was a wrap. It was a wrap. And, and then he and then he slam dunked the damn thing in the garbage can, which was awesome. Dude, well, the gar and the garbage can got in there because a fan threw a big, you know, arena-sized, you know, rubber-made trash can in the ring. Now, fans, I saw a report online after, well, they had a plant do that. I was like, no, that guy was ejected. And I was, I thank God he cleared everyone ringside and got it in there. Yeah. But, oh, my God, that was not something. I was like, here's a prop. Throw it in there. No, that was, that was heat. Dude, I grew up in Texas, and, like, that's how you get shot is you just the Texas so like, yeah, man, balls to the wall getting heat. And like, one of the things I want to ask you while I have you here, Court, is like, you know, you guys are obviously, like Sean said, putting out a great product. One of the things that Sean has said to me about MLW is he loves the universe. Like, 
how different you all feel from WWE and AEW and, and impact where there can be like, you know, some crossover sometimes you guys have your own universe. Um, with you guys on uh, Vice TV now, are we? Is there a chance we're gonna maybe get to see like weekly live television from MLW yeah. in the different future or no? We're definitely we're like you know. So we have our Vice deal. And we're also talking with other guys and, and doing some interesting things. So one of the big things we want to do is more live, and just need the right partner and what their their goals are and what our goals are. That we'll see where we can go with that. Live has electricity to it. Uh, yes. I think live wrestling is the best wrestling to the point where, like, Fat when he debuted in, in Chicago, he didn't rehearse it. He just went out there and hit that thing. And by the way, hit his time cue perfectly with no like rehearsal walk through it. Uh, and you that electricity when you're live and that energy you get, the crowd gets it at home. You're connected to it. it there's nothing like it. So, like, yeah, that's one of the major things we want to do on the horizon. The new era is just do more live. Uh, it's just also, you know, matter of what our partner wants and how they want it and how often they want it. You want to be a good partner. But, yeah, I think every pro, if you're going to talk to them about a deal, it's going to say, yeah, baby, let's do live. Live is fun, man. There's a sense of energy. There's no there's no do-overs. You know, if you do that thing live, you meant to do it, even if you fell and slipped and wiped out, as Vince would say. You meant to do it. Whew. Boy, that vibe TV, though, man. You know, Kurt, you know, Kurt like how uh, – I don't got to tell you, man. And I mean, the the cost of doing live, is that going to be an issue? That's really kind of often, you know, it should be the responsibility of the partner. They usually typically will, will take care of those production fees. So, you know, if you're going up on a satellite uplink, you know, they're, they're absorbing that cost. You know, we have a TV truck and those kind of things. Um, so it's, it's though that's kind of built into doing the deal. Yeah. Hey, man, uh, while we're talking about that, uh, I'm a fan of your announce team, man. You have a really good announce team, I think. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, you know, it's it's important that, you know, Ray Flores, who did the Triller fight recently, uh, I first worked with him at UFC Fight Pass. I was a co-exec producer for um, Combati Americas. Ray Flores, uh, sorry, I was a ring announcer there. And I said, let's put him in the booth. Let's give him a shot. He was from ESPN Radio in Chicago, and he killed it doing MMA, and now he's doing boxing. He was the host of the Mayweather-McGregor fights uh, when they barnstormed around the globe. And uh, he's built his profile up doing PBC boxing. And I love that he calls it like a fight. And St. Laurent, who is my right-hand man, knows exactly yeah. what's in my mind. He convey the storylines in a meaningful way and also kind of tilt a little heel, but not go over the top, more modern. Uh, so right. I love it. it. It allows me to allow I, – I don't produce them really at all. You know, they, they have a talent book. They kind of – they have their background. They know the context of what they got to accomplish there. And they kill it. I mean, those guys were one-take jakes. We, we do not do do-overs with this team, which is a huge thing when you're doing production. It's just to be able to go out there and kill it. So yeah. you're not So you're not in the uh, headphones yelling at them like Vince is on, uh, during Raw and SmackDown? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you know, how the hell they do it. I, I'll tell you, you know, it's like you definitely, <laughs> you know, you definitely, when you're doing live TV, there's times over the last few years when we've done live specials or pay-per-view and you're like, you got to get, you kind of, sometimes the announcing will kind of drift into a different direction. You have to bring them back on. But I try, you know, to, to, to let the guys do what they need to do. I'll sometimes remind them of something. Sometimes I'll, you know, be like, damn, why the hell are you burying the guy out there? Don't bury him. Uh, that's the only time I'll get like, you know, if, if, if I do get upset, I'll be like that. You don't want to bury an angle or you don't want to bury a talent inadvertently. I don't think anyone ever has the attention to do it uh, by design. Right. But to the viewer at home, it's still, you know, it's a sin. 
So you, you have to be careful. But, you know, we've been blessed with over the years with a great team, uh, guys like Rich Bocchini. Uh, the original MLW, voice of MLW was Joey Styles way back when. So Tony Schiavone, Jim Cornette, all those guys. I mean, I'm dealing with – I've been blessed with great guys, so it makes my job easier. So what am I going to tell them? Well, yeah. and I'll say, I'll say this about Ray Flores. Uh, I've known Ray for over a decade now. Uh, he and I used to be managers out here in Chicago, and you, you mentioned all the stuff that he's done in like boxing and MMA, but like at the root of it, before he was like a big name, like he's always loved pro wrestling. Like I know how much it means to Ray to be in that seat, and I know that he's told me that you know you said to him that that experience he spent on the Indies really helped him be able to call the matches on top of the skills he has as like a legitimate MMA boxing commentator as well. You know. So, yeah, it gives anyway. you a baseline of knowledge and instincts and an understanding of the business and appreciation for it, the psychology of it. Uh, I think just like Jim Ross started out doing refereeing, to be in the middle of that gives you context that if you don't have that, uh, you're just going to have less tools in your arsenal to understand and relate to what's going on. You're the soundtrack to the, 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 the product. Uh, you're enhancing it for the viewer. You're getting the guys over. You're framing storylines. You're packaging the product and saying, this is MLW because of what Fatu just did in there. Yeah. That's so important. You've got to be, and the, like, you know, JR was great with the one-line descriptors. And, and I, I, there's so many things that JR contributed to the business. Those kind of things are kind of a lost art. You know, not enough guys pick those people's brains. And they, they're, they're welcome to it. They want it. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the young guys have to go out there and seek that knowledge. I know it's like, awkward at first, but man, it will, you're investing yourself. You're enriching your own career by doing it. Yeah, for sure. Hey, hey, Court, um, Nick was just mentioning how, you know, I'm a fan of uh, the fact that there's no brand confusion between you and, uh, you know, Impact, AEW, and, and uh, everybody else. Um, man, your roster, uh, man, you got some, you got some really uh, solid, solid guys at, at the top yeah. of your roster, man. Obviously, Jacob, you got Hammerstone, the Bon Erics. I mean, mm -hmm. these are like I, I, you can really build a, a hell of a promotion around these guys, which obviously you're doing. Yeah, you know, they, we found some great guys, and you know, the weird thing is, people say, "Oh my God, how'd that guy not go to WWE or sign with AEW?" It's like, well, guess what? They were free agents. Those companies existed, and some of those guys got looks, and WWE or other companies just slept on them. They didn't pull the trigger. Yep. They came in our system and they thrive. They do exceptionally well. And that's why guys like Fatu and Hammerstone have re-upped with us in the last years because this system, they're finding their success. This system, they're being, they're authentically who they want to be and they can do what they want to do. And it's fulfilling, you know, to be passed over. It's like, all right, man, why am I going to give them another go at it? Do they really buy into me? Are they going to really see this through? Or do they just want me because I'm now this hot thing and they just want what they don't, they can't have, or it's a pretty new object. Man, no, these guys get it. They see the system. They see it works. And I think part of that, too, is like these guys have really good dancing partners. They all are different. You know, Tom Lawler from the Tom, UFC, yep. 10-year veteran from UFC, totally different than Fatu. And guys like Akira Kwan, who's going to be, I think, a big star, is totally different than Myron Reed, our world middleweight champion. Yeah. And so, you know, everyone has a distinct kind of vibe and, and, and in-ring style. But the one thing I tell them is, guys, just make sure you lay your shit in. Yeah. Um, we, I don't, and I, I really try to encourage guys to avoid the prefab matches, do something different, man. Don't, if they're predicting what you're going to do, you're going to, you're not maximizing your potential. 
because if you can have a match that just feels like you're freestyling out there and you're feeding off the crowd, and if you watch like the Von Erichs, they do that traditional yeah. old like Austin style Southern brawl. It ain't pretty, but man, it feels real. It feels good. And that was world class style. That was world class mm -hmm. style when you watch it, man. You had to fight for what you could get. Yeah, yeah, and that's what all the heels realize. I'm sure Fad too, too. It's like if you're gonna get heat on those boys, you're gonna have to lay it in because they're gonna come back <laughs> on you, and that, yeah. that that makes it bigger. That makes it like a real struggle. Hey, and hey, Jacob, can I ask you something, man? Um, well, apparently I can because you you just you decided to come on the show. Come so. on, <laughs> no, hey, man, do you feel uh, do you feel like competition nipping at your heels, trying to get your spot around there? Oh, I. It's been like that since day one with MLW. You know what I'm saying? As soon as we walked in the locker room, we was in Philly and right out the gate, you know, nobody knew we was coming. So when uh, I believe me, Mance Warner, Hammerstone, and Joseph Samuel, I think we we all debuted that same night in Philly. So yeah. I think me and Oos got to the building a little late. We seen Hammer over there. We seen Oos. And, you know, it, it was kind of like all eyes on us. But it was like, okay, now what are we going to do now? You know? So, right. uh, but it's like that everywhere. I mean, what, you got the, you got a great young cat like Calvin Tankman that's coming up, made his way. He's doing his thing. Uh, Myra Reed, Jordan Oliver. I mean, you know, even though we had the same size, but, you know, these are just, we're all gritting. We're all grinding. You know, we're we not comfortable where we at, you know, because once you get right. comfortable, man, you're going to end up losing everything. But I think we be having friendly competitions on the low, though, at the live shows, not even telling or telling each other. But, you know, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I've, I've been feeling like that, man, since we touched down in Philly. Yeah. Hey, Court, can you speak to that? Like, I mean, what what is your like read on 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 your roster? And you know, people coming up to you like trying to trying to uh, you know lobby for you know do their politic and trying to get a better spot. <laughs> well, it's funny. You you know when someone's super over when everyone's like, no, I want to get a match with him. Yo, can I get a match with mm -hmm. him? Yeah. Like Fat Two, I get hit with text all the time. Yo, can I get a match with Fat Two, man? I really like. I like. Look, if it makes sense where I'm going with the booking, sure. But, you know, just, yeah, I'm not going to throw out a match, you know, because this ain't no charity. And, and guys earn that, you know. I, it's not yeah. like I hate that you deserve it bullshit, you hear? Right. Guys, these guys got to step up and they got to earn that. And if they earn it, you're not saying that, you're not chanting that. You're you're you're, you're booing or you're, you're popping for what they're doing out there. The, 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 the cheerleading shit, you never really see in MLW because – our guys get heat, and when our baby faces win, you you you're, you're it's a euphoric pop. And I think are you that's talking about is. court? Are you talking about when people like get try to get the people? You know, uh, Chief J Strongbow. One time I was doing that out in the ring. You know, I came back and Strongbow looked at me, and he used to call me Trailer. He said, uh, "Trailer, why don't you just bring some fucking pom poms to the ring with you?" <laughs> yeah and, and the big pet peeve i have also is like managers that just slap the mat i'm like really come on man like what is that? yeah just distracting What's yeah going on? yeah i mean Shit. you know yeah. you can you can work the crowd and get them into it and there's so many ways i mean a manager has so many tricks that they can pull to get the crowd to come in on the match but when i hear this the slap of the mat I'm like dude you you, you you're lost that's yeah. the first time you don't know what you do as a manager hey court um you you have two shows right now, right? You have the Vice Show and the BN Sport. Is it BN Sports? Is that is it? The, yeah. Is the BN Sports show the same one as you show on YouTube? Yes, yes. That's on the Zone, Fubo Sports, BN. Yeah. Yeah. How is that like trying to uh, trying to make each show like you know have its own kind of feel and you know what I mean? 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be interesting because with uh, the new project, Azteca Underground, it's like we it's a it's a pretty fun project, but it's also going to be easy for us to to make something feel distinctly different from Fusion. Okay, wait, 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 time out, time yeah, out. Yeah, what are we talking about here? Wait, 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 time out, time out. So, I don't know if you may have just slyly made a little news report. So I was wondering. <laughs> if Azteca Underground was going to be like a faction in MLW, but I also got the vibe that maybe this was going to be like a second show that was in the, the lane of Lucha Underground. So are you saying that the intent here is to launch a second MLW show that is Azteca Underground with Dario Cueto and, and the other characters, Mil Muertes, all of those from that world? All I can say is we may or may have not received at least two bids for a second series that may or may not involve Azteca Underground. Okay, cool. Well, that's great news, Court. I mean, like, look, you guys really created a lot of buzz when you brought in Dario Cueto on the season finale. It was a nice yeah. little kind of Marvel, you know, into the credits moment there, and it, it kind of just it popped everybody that right way. So I'm really excited to hear that. I was That was one of the big things I wanted to know from you is what is up with Azteca? So that's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's, I've been, that storyline started last June and we slowly started planting seeds. Conan started to hint at things and that story really kicked in high gear in January. And we knew what the payoff, payoff was. And we just were waiting, waiting. And they had to call. If they don't deliver on, on him, if LFA someone else, that's going to be weak. And I also was promoting around that. We just signed a deal. I was like, oh, he's just going to give us some lame shit. And like, nah, man, we delivered on both. Yeah, I'm very impressed. I thought it was cool, Court. I mean, you guys are really just rocking and rolling on all gears right now. And so the other thing I want to know, just kind of newsy-wise, that Sean, you can take us home with whatever you want to talk about. But like with Dark Side of the Ring, um, the relationship there, are they going to be, are you going to be leading into them? Are they leading into you? Because I think with the right kind of synergy there with as many people are watching, you guys could very quickly jump to, you know, number three in the overall viewership each week of, of you know, companies that are watched in North America. Evan and Jason have been uh, incredible to talk with and we're spitballing on some cool stuff and, and how we can work together. I mean, people are like, oh, we're going to do Dark Side of MLW. No, no, no. If you look at how they run their show, how they've built this incredibly successful series, there's a lot of interesting stuff. They're great creative minds in terms of how you produce TV, tell stories, uh, the, the element of documents or documentaries in it. So uh, I think they've, they've talked to actually, they spoke about this recently publicly. So there's a lot of interesting stuff and we see a lot of connective tissue there. Uh, so it's, it's, it's got endless potential vice gets that and, and they've had their most success with wrestling and, you know, wrestling's been at the vanguard of TV since the fifties with gorgeous George. And then with, with broadcast and then with syndication and then with closed circuit, and then pay-per-view and now streaming. So, uh, they get it. They get that advice. And so that's good, you know. So uh, we'll see where Jason and Evan and MLW can kind of collaborate and see where it goes. But uh, we're talking. If you could see the other side of this office, you'll see a whiteboard with a bunch of ideas. But I can't tell them right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I, I think I was the one they were talking to because I was picking their brain about this. And I was like, well, there you go. I, was like I was like, you tell me what you've been talking to Court Bauer about. Yeah. And they gave me a great response about how they want to take that cinematic feel and bring it into a wrestling ring. So anyway, I won't go off on a tangent about another conversation. But <laughs> hey, Court, a lot of really cool stuff. Court, hey, um, so the other day I was reading that MLW might enter like a working relationship with WWE. Anything you can elaborate on with that? Yes. 
Oh, uh, no, I, I, I can't really say anything about that. You know, we, we've always looked at, you know, just, you know, different opportunities and, you know, we, we work with AAA, we've done some stuff with New Japan. Tom Lawler was just over at New Japan Strong. We've done stuff with Noah. We have a relationship starting with Rev Pro out of the UK. Uh, so, you know, we're always open to looking at things, but the key there really is it's like, I don't care about the, the cloud or the flowers or doing something like that, right. headlines, whatever, you know, it's, it's not a short term transactional thing. Oh, great. We got a pop in the, the viewers or we can do a, a crossover match and everyone will talk about it. And we'll trend on Twitter. It's like, to me, it has to be a long-term vision. If a long-term version vision makes sense. Cool. Um, but it's like, I don't, I don't kiss rings. I don't need that bullshit. Been there, done that. Uh, what makes sense to me is like, how does, how do our fans benefit? How does, how do our how does our talent benefit? How does the company as a whole benefit? Is there something that can mesh and, and build out something that's mutually that works for them, works for us? So you're not just sitting there kind of thinking, how are they going to screw you? But instead say, how do yeah. we enrich this? How does this work? How can we take it to the next level? Is there something there? Is there business there? Uh, you know, and also it's like this, I have this complex thing where it's like, you know, we're launching on new networks and stuff. And it's like, do you really want the premiere to be like, Hey, it's MLW plus this other thing. And yeah. it's like, you're trying to or get your your town over your town work to build the promotion to this point. And now they're having to share that stage with someone else and their needs and their things. You know, it's confusing to the fan. Our partner's like, yo, we signed on to do this thing with MLW. Now you got this other company. What's that about? It's a little confusing, yeah. can muddy the waters. Uh, and then you got the pandemic. It's like, okay, you could do all these dream matches with no oh. crowd. Where's the money in that? It's like, that to me yeah. is like kind of like just cheap stunt promoting. I'd rather wait and hold those cards until you can pull the trigger on something. So we always evaluate things. We look at things. We're always interested in, in that. Uh, and I think the fans love that stuff. If it works out, you know, it's just got to be big picture, long-term. How's that, how's that all synced up? Yeah. Next. Uh, no, I was just going to say that that all sounds good to me. I mean, I want to see a cavalcade. I want to see Von Erichs. I want to see Hammerstone. I want to see Fatu ringside in XT. I want to see Fatu on SmackDown kicking Roman in the balls and asserting himself at the table. Like, I want to see all of those things. So, anyway, I'm just putting it out there. Hey, so, so, uh, is there, are you guys, are you guys working towards a, a Hammerstone versus Fatu match sometime in the future? Yeah, I don't know, big man. How about it? <laughs> All right, big dog. He he would he won't be the first person trying to step up. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. <laughs> we got a lot of big things coming, man. July 10th, there's a lot of good things coming. Uh we're back in Philly. Um Philly, Chicago been very good to me. And uh I'm excited, man. I'm excited for what yeah. we got going on. Uh one thing I do need to shout out to is Alex Greenfield. You know, I just need to put that out there. That's my dog, man. Uh I wasn't comfortable with talking. And once I start working with him, man, he's just so intense inside the promo room. But, uh, you know, I want to give oh, him a nice. shout out, man. Yeah, because he really helped me out a lot back there. But not only that, just the whole the camera guys back there. Shout out to Charlie, uh, the catch that set up the ring. Just, just everything at MLW, man, what we got going on. MSL, it's nothing but love over there, man. And, uh, man, this is I, I can't wait. We got a. Uh... Oh, oh, well, we just lost we just lost for two's audio. <laughs> Two, we lost you. Your audio we broke out. We oh, back. Yeah. Okay. You're back. You're good. You there, brother? Oh, we lost you again. Oh, we lost you. We had you, and then we lost you. I mean, we see you, but we can't hear you. Trying. 
It was a strong no. go home. I'm just saying that. That was a good go yeah. home for him. Good. Yeah, we, it was. <laughs> we were wrapping up really nice in there. But two, are we gonna? Did we lose your audio? I don't know if we're gonna get you back. I don't know if your microphone setting is is all jacked up or something like that. Hey, Court. You know, it's eight, eight. Yeah. Hey, so hey, man. Talk. To, put put. I was gonna ask you to put Jacob over and, and talk about, uh, you know, uh, choosing him as you know, as the head, uh, you know, of your of your roster. You know, with Fat too, he's so special. You know, he has the the legit like when you see him and those li- eyes light up, it's like, man, you don't want to be too close to him. He might, he might get you. Yeah. Uh, he, he bell to bell, he can go. He has off the charts charisma. He has an intensity that's off the charts. And for me, uh, the guy, a guy like that, you put him against anyone. You got you got endless amount of matches you can do. And he's always going to grab the energy in the room and just always you can you can finish a show with him on top and you know you're getting your money's worth as a fan. But also for Contra to have the, this kingpin like this, um, it, it just I wanted to do something big like that. And for him to be the crown jewel, that just made all the sense in the world. I mean, he just checks off every box. Uh, he had a great match with L.A. Park, the original La Parca. Yeah, man. Dude, they had a wild brawl. One of my favorite matches of all time. And I mean, he can adapt to any style, any any match, and he can go live. He can go. There's the poster. He just showed it. Uh, that was our first pay per view. There's a reason I put those two in the match. Uh, Park was with us since the first show. I go back 20 years with him now, and and he was just a perfect opponent. Like just three, two great brawlers just going at it. Uh, and and you know, guy like fact, he was also a leader. And you want a guy on top that can lead in the locker room and out in the ring. And that, that counts for a lot, you know, and can go and always over delivers. I mean, uh, I couldn't be in, I could put the company in better hands than with a fat two. Yeah. Cause I mean, all those things, all those qualities you're talking about, but there's gotta be that level of trust and, and just that, you know, being reliable and, you know, always being able to count on this guy, you know, um, there's so many other things that, you know, besides what you see on TV, man. Oh, for sure. And it's, you know, I, I think a lot, and I think a lot of people see in Jacob, they see a lot of his uncle, you know, Eki Fatu, who mm-hmm. was an ex- so special in my career too, because he, he was in the original MLW. And when I was at WWE, uh, we, we brought him back at the time. He was supposed to do three minute warning. And uh, he'd done it before. This was like the second run. And so Maddie, his, um, Rosie, superhero yeah. training for a lot of people. Uh, he kept saying, let's, let's give him a shot. Let's bring him back. And we're, I was sitting there in Gorilla Vince, and he gets to, do, he gets to do a dark match, a tag match with Maddie. Yeah. And he just connected with the crowd, and the crowd went bananas for just a dark match. And Vince, with the reading glass at the end of his nose, looks and says, we're going to sign him, but it's not going to be a tag team. He's going to get a top push. And I went, oh, poor Maddie. We bring him back. And he says he's going to go get a top. But then, you know, fast forward, Vince, I got the opportunity. I was assigned to say, okay, we're going to take um, Jamal at the time. That's, that was Eki's gimmick, uh, yep. his, his name back then. And we're going to repackage him, but we want to give him something different, distinct. And I was told on the flight out to Chicago for WrestleMania 22. And by the time you touch down, we go to meet with Vince and talk about the flip side of Mania. We're in the basement of this hotel at the Rosemont Horizon. Like we're gonna go over like six months of booking. You better have an idea. So I'm calling him at the airport saying, yo, good news, man. You're starting, you're starting fast. The other thing is we gotta come up with a new gimmick, new everything, and you gotta be ready to start like on a, like a week or two. 
And so like over 48 hours, Eki and I came up with what would be Umaga. And it was, it was great because we didn't want to be just a, like a throwback. We wanted it to be kind of a hat tip to what his, his family had brought to the business, but be modern. So he got that grill in his mouth. I tried to convince him to get like a temporary tattoo on his face of the, the, the tribal shit. Yeah. He goes, yo, Oos, you do that first and then I'll do it right after you. I said, all right, all right. What about right. paint it on? He goes, I don't know how to paint that shit on my face. Well, in time, he learned how to do it with makeup girls. But uh, he hit the ground running and was just such a sensational hit for WWE for WrestleMania 23 with uh, Bobby Lashley and the whole thing with Vince and, and Trump. Uh, just had an incredible run. And, you know, I see so much of that in, in Jacob. And I see so much different in Jacob, too. Uh, so it's a real privilege to get to work with two, in my opinion, Hall of Fame caliber guys. Yeah. Well, I want to, uh, yeah, well, we, we want to thank you guys so much for coming on. I know we took you over a little over time than we expected. And, like, you know, it was so crazy to me when I said to Sean, hey, Sean, do you want quarter for two? And he goes, both. I was like, oh, all right, well, you're you, so I guess we can pull that off. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, I think it's amazing you guys took the time to talk with us today. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't know if uh, Fatu's audio, can you hear us, Fatu? I don't know if we got the audio thing fixed. Uh, he's still dead. All right, so, Court, I'm going to let you. Us. <laughs> yeah, he's with us in spirit, but we can't hear you right now. Sorry for two. So we'll let you uh, we'll let you take us home here right now. Uh, what do you want to uh, let everybody know out there about MLW and where they can find it, follow, support those all those great things? Absolutely. Every Saturday at noon on Vice, the old '80s tradition is back. Wrestling on Saturdays at noon. Check us out. We're on Vice. We're also going to be on BN Sports. You can check us out on the Zone anytime, anywhere. That's Netflix of sports. You can check us out on Fubo Sports Network as well. Uh, MLW.com, you can learn a lot about the, the new era kicking it off July 10th with our new season in the Philadelphia area at the 2300 Arena. We're having rolling sellouts. We sold out because of capacity limits. We're now able to put more tickets on sale. So you know, there's going to there's gonna be a limited amount of tickets left, and you want to go get those tickets at MLW2300.com. Uh, and then we'll be in Dallas September 11th for a big show. The Von Erics are rolling up there. And uh, Chicago, November 6th, we're going to be dropping a lot more dates in the, in the days, weeks, and months ahead. And, of course, Alicia Toot will be kicking off the open draft. There'll be some new faces coming to MLW. Tune in this week to our YouTube channel to learn all about that. Some new dudes we've signed to learn all about that more, I think, this Thursday. MLW on YouTube is at YouTube.com slash Major League Wrestling. The world of MLW never stops. It's just getting bigger in 2021 and beyond. This is the segment a lot of y'all been waiting for. Uh, this is this segment, like in the polls, gets like uh, almost as much or or just as much traction as the uh, as the interviews I do uh, with all the famous guests I have. And so, you've had some famous ones, yeah. Goodness. So so, anyways, it's this is the segment where wrestling journalist uh, slash media personality um, comes on and and. And ask me some questions about, uh, you know, a, a moment, uh, a particular match, or, you know, things like that. You all know what the segment's about already. Hey, um, he's the host of Pro Wrestling Spotlight Then and Now. Uh, he was, he's the innovator of wrestling conventions and all that. Uh, and just a wonderful guy uh, that I'm really happy to be able to call a friend. Uh, John Arezzi, everyone. Thank you, John. 
Hey, it's my pleasure to be here. I love the new podcast. I love the format. I love the guest, everything that you've done with it. It's just been one of those uh, weekly uh, must-listens to for me. I mean, and and I'm honored to be on here as probably the oldest journalist that you'll ever have on here. <laughs> Maybe not. No, no, because there's a few coming up that are there. Uh, got oh. a decade or two on you, I bet. Cool. Yeah, I started when I was 14 back in uh, 72, wow. so uh, a wow. long time, long time. But uh, nice. Before we get going, like, hey, so you're, um, you know, talk about your archives and, and the show and everything real quick. Well, it's been, uh, you know, just a, you know, I, I was gone from the business from 96, yeah. to 90, uh, 96 to 2018. I was gone for a long time. And um, uh, over the last uh, few years, I started the podcast, Pro Wrestling Spotlight, then and now with Brian Last. Yep. And what we do is we go back 30 years to listen to the Pro Wrestling Spotlight original shows that I was on the air with from 89 to 96. And uh, we listened to them in chronological order. So we go back and review the history of what was going on years ago and behind the scenes talk. Uh, we listen along. So it's been really fun. And then I got a book deal with yeah. EW Press because uh, I've been in the country music business for 20 years as well. Matt Memories is out now. And uh, it's doing really well. I mean, and uh, for somebody who really never had a lot of national TV exposure for this book to be in the top 10 at Amazon right under – that's uh, McIntyre's. Uh, I mean, it really has overwhelmed me, and the expectations have been far exceeded. So, I'm uh, just we'll glad, leads. John. I'm just glad, and and I think I might have been one of the first people that like I saw you uh, pop back up in, into the scene, and I'm like, oh my yeah, god, yeah. I haven't seen you in years, and you were so good to me the the short time we were around each other, and and so uh, I was I pleasure. was so happy, man, to have you back. Uh, to have you back on the scene and to come and take, you know, to, you know, cash in on, on, on the, you know, the well, latest I mean, wrestling boom. Yeah. I mean, it's just more of a historian now than a, than even a journalist. I mean, yeah. I used to cover some hard hitting stuff back in the day, a shoot style. I mean, one of the first yeah. people ever to do that, yep. but to come back as a historian and now start to share archives with people. Uh, and I have all those old films that I shot at the garden yeah. when I was a kid Andre the Giant's first match at Madison Square Garden, and I was a ringside photographer for many years. At uh, also, you had, also you had a few matches. Don't leave that out. <laughs> Two. Dusty Rhodes kicked Dusty. my ass, and uh, and I and I uh, worked against uh, Peter Maivia and Chief J Strongbow in a tag team match, and that was it for me. And I really did it just to see what it would be like. And I didn't have any training, so I, I could have gotten hurt, in which I did. Uh, but I could have hurt others. I mean, it, it, I should have never did it, but I did it. And I wrote a story about it in Ring Magazine in 1979. And that's what it is. But right now I'm sharing the history of what I have been involved with over the years and to reacquaint myself with people like yourself and all the others that uh, remember me, Conan. And, you know, because I did deals with them, bring AAA to the United States in 93. I mean, yeah. it's been a really great ride. And I, I was so happy to be able to when you asked to bring me on here to talk about what really to me was very fascinating was uh, NWO. I mean, that was, yeah. that was uh, groundbreaking in so many ways. And it just led to the escalation of popularity in wrestling with the Monday night wars. And, and for you, I mean, uh, you really, um, when you were associated with the click, and they had yeah. their last match, the curtain call at the Garden. I mean, there was so much going on in your life before they before Hall and Nash departed for WCW. Right. That was like the tail end, and you were just getting out 
and you were, you know, yeah. you had some problems and you were getting yourself uh, fixed, you know, and, yeah. and all of a sudden there's the, uh, you know, you, you, you tape your last matches for WWF on April 29th, I think in 96 against Mark Merrow, Servio Vega. Yeah. And the last match aired, uh, I believe it was on May 20th. And that was the day after the click uh, curtain call happened at the garden. Yeah. So that and was, I like, wasn't there. and you weren't yeah. there. You, you were, right. you were, you were somewhere rehab. else. You were in rehab. Yeah. yeah. You, you can uh, say it. <laughs> yeah. You were in rehab and then uh, they leave. And then Hall debuts uh, May 27th in WCW. And yeah. uh, then Nash joins them as the Outsiders and Dash at the Beach. That's where it starts. Hogan turns heel. Yeah. Now, what were you doing during this time when you saw this all coming together? Were you removed from these guys or were you still in touch with everybody? Well, interesting. Um, so I'm glad you picked this because um, there's a bit of a story to it. And, you know, even before I show up and do the thing where, you know, I, I yeah. got that little remote thing and all the yeah in September that, that happened in September yeah. right yeah but the, it's the story leading up to that it's yeah interesting because uh, uh, you know as as we just mentioned uh, during the the curtain call um, I was I was in rehab so I missed out on that uh, maybe thankfully so but you know <laughs> considering what happened with Hunter <laughs> yeah a lot yeah a lot went down yeah, yeah. Uh, so so anyways originally like the plan was going to be i would have been the first guy to sign and and or we we would all the three of us would have signed together wow uh and i probably would have came out because you know yeah there was uh, him you know yeah, uh, yeah. you oh, know yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah um and so every on all the wwf contracts at the time and I'm pretty sure they still have this. Uh, if you don't give notice within 90 days of your contract expiring, it rolls over. Oh, so, okay. so I had, I had the meeting with Barry Bloom and, and LA and, and what he's told me about Eric, you know, Bischoff, uh, you know, having the blank check checkbook basically. And he's so spending, I, spending a lot of money. Yeah. So I got on the phone with Scott all from Barry Bloom's office and started the whole thing rolling. No kidding. Yeah. And, and so, you know, our plan with, be, between us would have been me first, you know, Scott and then Kev, uh, but it just didn't work out because I didn't, I didn't give my notice and so I was screwed. And so I was stuck there and they were punishing me. They could yeah. say they weren't, but I was in the doghouse big time. Trust yeah. me. And I yeah. was miserable. So like we got back from this long tour, uh, of of Europe and it was the last tour for Kevin and Scott. We had a hell of a time. It, I I I didn't sleep for many many days in a row, <laughs> many many days in a row. And uh, I got back and uh, we went to TVs and I I I OD'd at TV on pills. Oh shoot! And yeah, but I used to I used to pop into the production meetings occasionally, and I just so happened to OD in the production meeting. Wow! <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I'm sure uh, that didn't go over. That's why I ended up in rehab, and that's why I missed uh, the curtain call. Now, did and they release you? Is that what happened? How did that go down? So, so this is what happened. Um, Vince, Vince put me through rehab, and he paid me great. I got paid more while I was in rehab than I did if I'd have been just working. Uh, you know, the towns. 
I mean, I got I got full pay for. I'm assuming it was full pay for for like a um, Kuwait tour or something. It was either Kuwait or South Africa. Anyways, uh, so I finished rehab and Vince was real supportive the whole time, and he brings me in. He flies me in uh, to have a meeting with me to talk about my future. And, you know, we did the whole thing. I, I show up and I sat, sat out in the lobby for hours. I mean, hours. Finally got in there and Vince is like, hey, you know, um, I know you're, you're clean or whatever. And whatever, something, you know. Uh, but if, if you think you can get a better deal for you and your family uh, by working for that billionaire asshole, those were his exact words, um, uh, get, I'll give you a week to think about it. Let me know. Wow. Yeah. So I knew that's what I had to do, but man, that was one hard week. Cause I'm it was, sure. it was so, cause like, I felt like that was my family. I felt like my life was so intertwined with WWE, man. And yeah, they gave WWE. you your first break, man. They really yes. missed you. I mean, that uh, one, two, three kid deal was just like, you know, yeah, you, but it was time to go. Family for you. Yeah. Yeah. But it was time to go. So I called JJ and I told him and then it took a while for the, uh, for me to get the release. And then once I got the release, w wcw wasn't happy they weren't happy with the wording of it they were worried that it was opening them up to get sued uh so hmm. they brought me wcw brought me into to sturgis for the night that the hogan and giant worked mm-hmm. um and it was kind of touch and go like i might have debuted then uh but my they got the release and they didn't like the wording and so anyways eventually we got it right and um, that's when you, I show up and you show up. I think it was September the 16th or so, uh, yeah. of, uh, of, of that year in 96 and, uh, you're sitting in the front row. Yeah. And so that was like, Holy smokes. Look, look who's here, you know? And yeah, me, and then me, you, you push the remote and all the flyers come down from the ceiling and you're in. Yeah. So, um, I remember I had this, I, I remember I got a perm because I was trying to grow my mullet out. So I had this big perm. And I was wearing a Doors shirt. It said "Break On Through," and it had Jim Morrison doing like this. Uh, uh, but yeah, it was great. The fact that I was going to be part of the NWO, like honestly, I just felt like that. Me sitting in the front row there had that little, little you know, thirty seconds with Mike Tanay. Yeah, and I stood up on the thing. Like honestly, I didn't think much thought was put into that. I was grateful. Yeah, I was really grateful to. It was just something to get me in that W. Yeah, looking back, you think it could have been done a little better. Well, I just think they had a lot going on, and, and yeah, well, there was. I mean, it was like incredible. I mean, yeah. uh, once they uh, once the invasion took place, so to speak, once the outsiders came in and Hogan turned. I mean, yeah. it was like it was like heat that I hadn't seen in wrestling in a really long time, yeah. with people throwing shit into the ring and and. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, you show up and, and everybody knew, knew of your association with those guys. So sure. it, was, it was a great integration. Yeah. So and I think like I think I was I think it was Kevin Sullivan's idea. Mm-hmm. And, and Kevin's in my book and my in my book and Kevin Scott, our book. Uh, he's a genius. As he far is as a we're genius. Concerned. Always has been. Yeah. yeah. It's just that one didn't that one didn't quite work. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe it worked, but it wasn't like a big home run or anything yeah i got you there uh uh because i think like okay the vision like in in their minds i think they felt like it was gonna you know the the flyers were gonna come down faster or whatever but anyways it didn't but i was in 
Yeah. You know? And the name and, changed too. Yes. I mean, you had to change the name. And then there was a couple of stories about uh, the origins of six. Was it the adding up of one, two, three, or yeah. was it because you were the sixth member after the, you know, the NWO sting? What, what was, what was the real story there? I mean, about the name. You know, I don't think I ever asked Eric. Mm -hmm. It was Eric. It was Eric's decision. And okay. he liked it. And so I was, I was all in with it. Yeah. Sounds good to me. There you go. It, was, it, it seemed kind of weird, you know, uh, but like I said, it, it sounded good to me. And it was, was good. And it was a good payday. Yeah. Oh, it was really good. Yeah. Like for me, I, I went, see, they, I think they assumed I was making more uh, at WWF than I was. I, I was like, oh, I might've been in the click or whatever. And, and, and like, you know, had that privilege that went along with it as far as, you know, showing up yeah. later, you know, maybe having a little bit more leeway on, on things. And, right. But like, I was still getting like, you know, the money was still bottom shit. pay, bottom pay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and of course you see, you go over there and you see everyone you know, like living large. Yeah. And, and, and so I think I would have gotten more had I not, you know, uh, made a stop in rehab before I got there. I think I would have gotten more, but I still like, um, it was good pay for, 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 for it was 250 grand a year. You yeah. Know? That's, that was big money. Yeah, the only problem was there was no cap on the number of dates they could work me. So, like, they could keep me on the road 25, 30 days a month if they wanted yeah. to, technically. Yeah. And it got to that point at one time. But anyways. So it got a little overwhelming on the schedule-wise. Yeah. Even yeah. though a lot of guys were working less, I mean, you're working maybe more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You're doing a yeah. lot of the house shows, house shots. Yeah. And, uh, well, they threw you right in, I mean, with a major angle with Eddie Guerrero, like, yeah. right, right away. And then you were able to uh, get the U.S. title, I think, from Eddie. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, like we just talked, I just talked about this with, with Sam Roberts. We talked about the ladder match that, yeah. that culminated then. And, yeah. And awesome. all the lead up to that. Yeah. Um, so, and I loved working with Eddie. And Eddie, Eddie and amazing. I had, he had, he and I had worked in New Japan. At, uh, we had a really, like a standout match from that, from that tournament, um, uh, from the New Japan Super Junior Tournament in 93. So, so you know, overall, it was a good it was a good run. That first that first when you got there it was a it was great. You had Eddie Guerrero, and then uh, yeah, I worked more. with you had so with, much going on, man. Yeah, I worked with Dean Malenko, like my teacher, yes. and we had some pretty good yeah. stuff there, you know. Because I do like I, you know, we had started doing that where we like started, you know, kind of shooting on our on our promos, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we would do our in rings, and you know, anytime we got on the mic, we would you know. It was kind of controversial at the time. I, I guess, oh, absolutely, you know? absolutely, because it wasn't really done. Yeah, on national TV. Yeah, but yeah. like for me, okay, I it was just an opportunity for us to to do the Wolfpack thing. Yeah, you know, for me that was that was huge for me. Yeah, you know, I mean, there was so yeah. much going on, and then there were more members, and then the factions were splitting up, and it was just uh, yeah. a whirlwind of stuff. And then, of course, then you have the you know, the famous uh, uh, run with flair, which was yeah. amazing. I mean, uh, and, and the audiences were growing and then the war is really on and, you know, everyone's uh, outdoing each other week to week. How was the how was the, the, the heat of the crowd? I mean, because you were coming from WWF. I mean, yeah. things were not they didn't, you know, Attitude Era hadn't kicked in yet. Really, it was just starting. 
but you must have go to you know WCW, and all of a sudden you're seeing these enormous crowds. You're you're seeing on the TV, uh, and you're seeing this uh, you know this this heat from the fans that maybe had not been there in that organization for a long time. That that and what was what really stood out to me, John, was uh, just when I would be in public. You know, like coming going through the airport or you know, things like that where so many more people came yeah. up to me and recognized me. And it was, it was, it was so much bigger, man. Like, cause you know, like just being a WWE, one, WWF, one, two, three kids stuff. Yeah. That was huge for me. Oh, absolutely. You know, and there, and then some places around the world, you know, we were like, business wasn't bad in Europe. Like we were huge stars over there, but it was just, Man, when I got to WCW and got that NWO uh, TV time, man, that was huge. Yeah. Do you think that NWO uh, and then the factions that spun off from it and there's so much of integration and everyone is coming and going, uh, do you think it grew too fast, too quickly maybe, and it just kind of exploded into just like you didn't know what was going to happen. And there was just too many twists and turns and yeah. people turning on each other and jumping from uh, to, you know, to the wolf pack and then the NWA. Ran. And there was like, there was just so much going on for for someone who had just left the business. Uh, once it started doing all of that, it, it became a little frustrating for me as a viewer yeah. because it was like it was such a great concept in the beginning. But then I think it just got out of control. It did. Well, I was still like I was gone when they when they started doing that separate like red and black wolf pack, which was really cool. It just yeah yeah you know it wasn't the Scott Kevin I trio wolf pack. It's, it was there were kind of two different things. Right. Um. Uh. Yeah, the, I was gone by then. Yeah, because it was like a, I, I it got like fired. A, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like a. Um, uh, I mean, it was only your involvement there. You know, really lasted just a year. And then you had the injury, uh, and then you get the FedEx envelope yeah. from uh, Mr. Bischoff, and yeah. that was the end of that. So, man. Yeah, yeah. but so, anyways, I had that. I had this T-shirt, my own NWO shirt with the six ball on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it, was, it was like the best. It was a top seller for a while. I got a hell of a royalty check for that. Um, uh, but while I was out with the neck injury, I broke my neck working yeah, no. a house show with Lex. Um, and so when I finally had enough, like I tried to work through it, John, and, um, you know, cause you, I was, you I was still trying to get TV, a raise, but you still I, not, not working, but you were doing some TV still, right? No, I still had, like, I, I dropped the tag titles with Scott versus this. We dropped into the Steiners. Okay. Yes. We did. We did Wolfpack, October. We did, yeah. We did Wolfpack rules, which was yeah, like, yes, free, yes. we like, like Freebird rules where mm -hmm. I could defend the titles too. So Scott and I dropped them to, uh, to uh, the Steiner brothers while I had a broken neck and I took a TDT off the top rope with a broken neck. Man. So crazy. Yeah, yeah. But while I was out, Scott, whatever they would do those big in ring NWO segments, Scott would make everyone wear uh, the six ball shirt. There you and go. Every <laughs> single week they would shout me out and everybody would, would shout yeah. me out. Dusty macho man, like all those guys. Wow. And so they kept, Scott kept me over. Like those guys kept me over. Like, I got more over sitting at home with a broken neck than, you know, I think while I was working. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're saying when you were when you were let go, when Bischoff sent you that letter, I mean, yeah. uh, that was kind of sending a message to, uh, to Hall and Nash, you think? Was that, uh, you know, because that's what's been reported previously. It was kind of like, 
Yeah. If they let you go, then, you know, then anyone can be expendable at any given time. Was yeah, that, it was more was like, kind of, was that true or how, how, uh, you know, how accurate is that from what I've read and what I've uh, seen? I, I think it, I think it's pretty accurate. Eric, Eric says otherwise, and there was a couple other mitigating factors yeah. that, that added to it. Like I still hadn't signed my contract officially. Like after all that time, we, I was wow. still working, on, I was still no working on a deal memo. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. A deal memo was sufficient, but they wanted yeah, me to sign still. the real thing. Yeah, yeah. So that was over the course of a year. You didn't sign your, you yeah, had that, I was trying, just a deal memo. Cause once I got, once I got in, and once I started doing well and was involved in all that big stuff with Flair and the, yeah, all that stuff, like I wanted a raise because I knew like they were reading, you know, Kevin and Scott had renegotiated a few times and I wasn't yeah. trying to, I wasn't trying to rate the company, but no, like, but there was a I was lot of money to get being made too. I mean, there was yeah. money being made. The pay per views were doing well. I mean, there was a, it was an explosion in wrestling that we hadn't seen uh, ever as far as to that extent. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, wrestling uh, organizations have never really been. Uh, mindful of sharing the wealth. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a, a nice way to put it anyway. Yeah. Uh, but then you leave and you go back to home, so to speak, which was WWF and what an incredible run with DX. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you know, WCW goes under. And then, you know, a few years later, NWO returns. I got another NWO run. That's why, like, yes, I know this is kind of going a little, like, a little further into the future. Uh, well, it's than, a roller coaster. Yeah, but um, yeah, I got. That's why I said that to Hulk at the at the Hall of Fame. I was like, "Thank you for letting me crack in the head with the chair." Like, I got, yes, I got a whole. Like, I I left WWE. Like, my last match there was in the main event. You know, that's like, amazing, man. Main event and house shows on the way out. But, but over the course of your run, I mean, your career, yeah. your run, I mean, these two things, I mean, the, well, DX was uh, obviously off the charts, man. And no one didn't see anything like that as far as the heat there. But the NWO run that you had, I mean, when you look back at it, I mean, it it, it had to be looked upon, I, I believe, with very fond memories. Oh, yeah. Because it was like, yeah. you were thrown into the situation, you performed well, you had a lot of heat, you sold a lot of merch. So in your entire scope of your career, I guess NWO has got to rank high. And now look, I mean, uh, uh, now, you know, you're in Hall of Fame for both <laughs> the factions, man. That's just it. And I was talking to, I, I was texting back and forth with Eric the other day about something. And I told him, I said, I, I said, you know, people complain like, and I know at the time I complained about being fired by FedEx. I said, but Eric, I would have been way, like I said, I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't fly me all the way to Atlanta and fire me because I'd have been really pissed then yeah. like way more pissed than getting to FedEx. Oh yeah. And he, and, and, and Eric says to me, he goes, I'm glad I didn't fly you in uh, to Atlanta to fire you either because I would have changed my mind. And then you never would have got the DX run. Imagine that. Yeah. And everything, he's telling the truth, man. Yeah. Everything happens. He, he would have, he would have, he would have changed his mind. Yeah, no, everything, everything happens for a reason. Of course, yeah. I mean, doing it by FedEx is a lot easier than bringing somebody in and looking them eye to eye and saying you're gone. You know. So, Eric, thank you for these. There you I, go. I owe you for both of these. There you go. Thank you. Well, and been, John, thank yes. you, man. Thank hey, you so much. My pleasure. And uh, anytime you you need me here, I've been more than happy to do it. I mean, you've been on my podcast and my shows, yeah. and, and uh, I, I mean, you were you were when I got back. 
into wrestling. I mean, because a lot of people thought I died or whatever. I did too, uh, man. You know, <laughs> I was just gone. Changed my name, got out. But you embraced me in a way right from the beginning when I came back. And I was like, and you told me some things that um, how important, you know, our relationship was back in the early 90s. And and that really warmed my heart, man, because, uh, you know, you don't know how you impact somebody's life. And you may not ever know. But the fact that you told me about that, I mean, that was just uh, that was incredible of you to do that. It was so huge for me. I told you already. And like I remember, I text, I tweeted that picture, Instagram, that yes. that big, yes. like eleven by seventeen cardboard thing. Yeah. I printed printed that uh, Kinkos. Yeah. Yes, yeah, man, I sold them for five bucks at your. You gave me a table. And- you were a well kept secret back then. Oh man, the hardcore a- fans knew it, and everyone you know knew how good you were. But you didn't get that break yet. But uh, I was always happy to have you on the radio show back then in the convention and. Uh, and man, I am so uh, happy for you and, and proud of you and everything that you've done and Thanks. the way you've turned your life around. And, and man, it's like the best is yet to come for you, my friend. I think so. I think I that's too. true, man. And for you. I hope so. You know, it's a lot of fun this time. I, I don't have the anxiety I did years ago. And the book is doing well. Matt Memories is out now. And uh, if anyone wants an autographed copy of it, just got to send me an email or go to my, my website is up finally, mattmemories.com. Uh, I finally put it up this week after working on it for a year almost. Uh, so you can buy the book directly from the website. And uh, hey, listen, this is a great opportunity to talk to you about that because NWO always fascinated me and, and 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 your involvement and everything that you've done in your career. I mean, you're just uh, uh, you're a legend to me, and uh, and, and uh, I'm happy to say, a dear friend. Thank you so much, John. I said feel the same about you, man. It's good to see you. Welcome to the first installment of This Week in WWE. I am your guest host this week for the game show segment. It's me, Nick Hausman, and right now I'm going to introduce you to these competitors for our first ever edition of This Week in WWE. Uh, First, coming onto the show right now, he is a two-time Hall of Famer, and he is the host of this show. It's Sean X. Pac Waltman. Sean, hey, dude, welcome to the game show. Thank you for having me, Nick. It's good to be here. Oh, my goodness gracious, Sean. Wow, thank you so much for showing <laughs> And your competitor right now, coming to the show, he is a new contributor for Pro Wrestling for Life's YouTube channel and other so- social media pages. He is also a proud member of the Pro Wrestling for Life Patreon page. It is Marsh. Marsh, welcome to the game show. Hey, how's it going? Hey, like Marsh. You. Yeah. Nice to meet you. I'm not a Hall of Famer, so I hope, that doesn't, hope that's not part of the thing. Um, I have two. You can borrow one of mine. Oh, <laughs> well, Marsh, uh, I want to thank you very much for coming on a plane today. Uh, yes, uh, Sean found out the the work you're going to be doing for this for the uh, for the show. Uh, Marsh is going to be creating great graphics and videos and clips and putting out stuff on social media. He's a real wizard at this stuff. And Sean said, "I got to I got to test this guy. Right? It's the first time you guys are meeting. He wants to push you to your limits." Nick, you host the trivia show this week. So right now, Marsh, this is the first time we've ever met Sean, and you're going to be in competition with him. You have to try to beat him in this show. Are you ready for that, Marsh? I'm no jobber. Marsh, Marsh, I appreciate like all like the work you're going to be doing for us, but I am not going to take it easy on you right now. <laughs> well, Sorry. Got to well, pay my dues somehow, I suppose. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, 
This week's game is called This Week in WWE. So in this game, I'm going to read you guys each a question regarding something that happened this past week in the world of the WWE. Now, whoever gets the most questions right is going to win the game when I decide the game is over. And so to decide who goes first this week, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to go find something you can draw with because the first person to show me a stick figure pro wrestler is going to be the person who gets the first question. And look at both of them. Have pens, have paper. Marsh is getting right to work here. Sean's still struggling to put paper down. Does All it- I have is a stick figure pro wrestler on my screen right now. I feel like Marsh is ahead of Sean at this point. He's very focused, Sean. Is- oh, wait, Sean, that's just a person. I can't tell that's a wrestler. And what is Marsh doing here? Marsh is action. What is Marsh? Did you just draw that, or did you draw that over time? I was working on that earlier today. <laughs> I thought that was a Rorschach test or something. At first. Uh, it's um, gone, but Marsh uh, Marsh's was much more accurately someone that looked like a pro wrestler, and uh, it was very. It's just his was very good. So okay, so Marsh went. Marsh, she's from NXT UK. Marsh, let's get to your question here. <laughs> first question, Marsh. This past Friday on SmackDown, who became the number one contender to Roman Reigns Universal Championship? That would be Cesaro. That is correct. That is one point for Marsh. Did you know that, Sean? Uh, it would have been one of my guesses. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sean. I couldn't remember immediately how he got with number one contender, but I was like, but he's got the match coming up, so it's got to be him, yeah. right? Then I remembered he beat yeah. Seth Rollins. Thank you. Yes. So, Sean, question two. True or false? Uh, T-Bar and Mace appeared on Monday Night Raw. False. That is false, yes. They did not appear on Monday Night Raw. We actually don't know where T-Bar and Mace are right now. So, that's one apiece. We're one and one. All right, back to you, Marsh. Which former female WWE superstar ran her second vignette this past week announcing her return to the company? Eva Marie. That is correct. That is correct. Oh, yeah. The evolution is coming, man. The evil, the evolution. You like that? <laughs> you know, hey, you know, she's like uh, Sumerian Records has a show. Uh, it's on, it's on uh, <clears throat> Amazon Prime. It's called Paradise City. It's kind of like a heavy metal. She's in that actually. There's a lot of, like they, I was, anyways. I don't want to get off into the weeds on that, but yeah, she's, she's doing. Uh, she was doing other things. <clears throat> okay, well, all right, Eva Marie, back in the room. All right, well, back to you, Sean. Uh, last week on NXT, three men stepped up to carry and cross, making their case to be the number one contender for the NXT championship. Can you name all three men that confronted Cross in the ring? Uh, Kyle O'Reilly. That is one. Um, Finn Balor. That is two. And Johnny Balsack. Oh, it was not Johnny Balsack. Uh, Are you sure? I'm pretty sure Johnny Balsack is not an active NXT competitor. Oh. Maybe retired. Marsh, do you try to steal this one? Do you know who the third man was in the ring? It could be that his nickname around the PC could be Johnny Balsack, but I believe it was Johnny Gargano. I I think it was actually Pete Dunne. I don't think it was. Uh, so, so neither of you, I don't, I don't think get a point unless I was wrong. So, Pete Dunne came out at the after Pete Dunne came out. Gargano and Austin Theory jumped carrying Cross. That is oh, did they? that is yeah. set up a match between Cross and Theory. Uh, Theory this week. Yeah. For the record, I am not 
calling Johnny Gargano Johnny Ballsack. <laughs> that was not where I was going with that. I appreciate the clarity. I just couldn't remember who the fuck the third guy was. Okay, so I think we're tied. Or no, wait, I think you're up two to one here, Marsh. So let's see here. We got two. Yeah, two to one. You are winning. So Marsh, uh, mm-hmm. let's take, a, take an even further lead here. Who was announced as the next guest on Stone Cold Steve or for Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skull Session? Oh my god! I know this one's a little harder. There I feel problems. like I feel like a lot of them get blown up, and I feel like this is one that slid through. I have no idea. Sean, do you think you can steal this? Do you know who Steve's next uh, guest is? Can you give us a hint? Um, he. Oh, uh, man. If I give a hint, I feel like I'm going to give yeah, it away. Me too easy to get it. I'll I'll put it this way: they were mentioned in Molly Holly's interview with you. Oh, shit! I know. I don't know, man. Yeah, no. The correct answer was Charles Wright. The Godfather is going to be. Oh, I'm kidding. Really? Yeah, he's going to be Steve Austin's next Broken Skull Sessions guest. Oh, wow. That yeah. should be good. All right. Well, nice. still two to one in favor of Marsh. Uh, that means, Sean, you have a chance to tie it up here. Now, this one made a lot of news coming out of Monday Night Raw. Which superstar fell badly on Raw, had to have their match ended abruptly? Do you know? Who, me? Do I know? Yeah, do you know? Umberto Carrillo. There we go. We are tied to a piece. We are back in it. Well, Marsh, maybe you know this one. Uh, which two superstars filmed the third match in their best of three for main event this past Monday before Raw. Ricochet and Ali, was it not? That is correct. That is correct. We have. I knew that. Okay. Well, Sean, I'm going to ask you a follow-up main event question. What female WWE superstar made their return to the ring during those same main event tapings? Oh. Asuka? No. No, Asuka's been on TV for a while. I was a guess, man. Is Nikki Cross? Nikki. Oh wow! Really? Oh, good. Yeah, I'm a big Nick, good. I'm, I'm a fan Marsh of Nikki Cross. That one. Guessing Mark did not know that one. No. Um, I... all right. Well, uh, then we're gonna go. I think it's. Uh, I think it is now on to uh, back to Marsh here, where I believe Marsh you're winning three to two still. So this will give you a chance to kind of take it over the top. Can you name the two men that accompany Jinder Mahal to the ring now on Monday Night Raw? Shanky. Shanky, that is one. Shanky is one. And um, oh my god, I want to say his first name's Tamir, but I'm gonna mess it up, and I, I don't know his name. Yeah, Sean, do you know the other person's name? Sarov. Uh, I'm sorry, it's Veer. Veer, oh. you're so close, Mark. So close. All right, Sean, back to you. Let's see if we can tie it up. Which WWE Hall of Famer returned to SmackDown this Friday and got Sami Zayn to dance with them? I don't know. Oh, all right. Well, Mark, do you know? Teddy Long, playa. Oh, wow, really? That is right. That is right. Wow. All right. Well, and you know what? I honestly, (laughs) I think that Marsh has this four to two. I'm going to ask you one more to just kind of put the nail in the coffin. I think you might know this one, Marsh. True or false, SmackDown had more than two million viewers on Friday night. That was true. That is true. Actually. Yeah, they were 2-1, wasn't it? Viewership since January on Friday night. So, Wasn't that the number one show on, on cable that night? It was. Raw was yeah. number one on Monday. AEW was number one on Wednesday. And SmackDown was number one on Friday. So it was a very good week for pro wrestling last week. Oh, very good. Yeah. So awesome. hard. Does that mean I, I lost? 
That means Sean lost. That means the, the first time competing on the show, Marsh came in and said he's not a jobber, and he's correct. He beat Sean. So congratulations, Marsh. Uh, your your prize is you're going to get to spend a lot more time with Sean in the future helping with yeah. this project. So congratulations on that. Where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, support you? All those great things, Marsh. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RefMarsh. Uh, Instagram, Marsh Ref. All of my links and stuff is at wrestlingontherocks.com, though. I do my own little hangout a couple times a week. Cool. All right. Cool. Hey, man. Um, uh, I, I feel like I slipped on a banana peel and got schoolboyed for like a quick three count. I mean, it's the underdog story of the year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations <laughs> on a hard-fought battle, Marsh. Thank you so much. It it takes two to tango, and if it weren't for you, you made me look like a million bucks out there. Thank you. <laughs> Are you gonna give me give me? You know, we used to give like an enhancement guy. Like if they did a really good job, or as Kurt Hedding taught me, this you throw him like an extra twenty or fifty bucks or something like that. You know, and it, that's cool. And the word gets around. Like, hey, if you go out there and you really make this guy look good, he'll give you extra money. That's it awesome. works, and so you appreciate it. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm waiting for you to give me a little bit extra money yeah. on the side. <laughs> That's it for this week's edition of Pro Wrestling for Life, everybody. Uh, I want to thank John Arezzi. Uh, I want to thank Marsh for coming on and playing me. And what the hell is the name of that game again? Week in WWE. Yeah, this week in WWE. Uh, thank you, Marsh. It's great to have you on the team. And, uh Special thank you to Court Bauer and Jacob Fatu for coming on and uh, and talking about MLW and all the great things that they have going on right now. Uh, is there anything you want to add before we go? No, man. I mean, another great show. I want to thank you guys just for keeping on coming back. You know, it's always nice to get those comments and five-star ratings over on iTunes, you know, at Pro Rest for Life over on Twitter. You know, check us out every Tuesday half hour before at XP for a little bonus live engagement with the fans. But, dude, and go – Go become a patron. I don't know, man. Eat a bagel. Have fun. Enjoy your life. We see that we are at the light at the end of the tunnel now, Sean. Maybe eventually here we'll get to do one of these shows here in person with each other. Yes. Soon. Yeah. Soon, Nick. Yeah, Soon we'll be able to see all you folks out there yeah. as well. Till then, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in.